So anyway, I do go finally get this MRI and um, I mean, that's when things got pretty real um, for me um, because literally before they had kind of had me back out of the tube that you're in for an MRI, the I was surrounded by nurses uh, and medical folks who basically just said, you're going straight to the ER room. And, and they pretty much didn't tell me anything else, but they were freaked the hell out. <clears throat> and, um, and that's what happened. Um, I was taken immediately uh, to ER uh, for a kind of emergency CAT scan. And now all of a sudden they are, I'm in a cervical collar and nobody's letting me move at all. And four people are assisting me up and down after I just drove myself, you know, I, I haven't had a, a, a C collar on or a neck brace on for five days since the accident. And suddenly shit is kind of hitting the fan. Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Last week on the podcast, we told you about a serious ski accident I was involved in on the 9th of July, and we more or less left off last week at the point where I had tomahawked, unconscious, down a scree and boulder field, but survived the crash and managed to hike down off of the mountain. But making it down to the ambulance that was waiting for me at the road was hardly the end of the story. Truth is, it's where a whole new story, with very real consequences, was just beginning. And while we believe that there were a number of important lessons to be learned from our analysis of my crash, there is just as much, if not more, to be learned from my two weeks following the accident. We'll say more about this in the podcast, but it's always exciting to hear about people surviving gruesome falls and walking down off of mountains. We all find that kind of story riveting. But the truth is that such stories can easily just turn into outdoors entertainment and adventure porn, and anyone who is serious about recreating safely in the backcountry or wilderness areas has a whole slew of related, less sexy considerations that you ought to think through before you find yourself in a life-or-death scenario far from help. In the time since my crash, I, my family, and my friends have had dozens of critical decisions to make, many of which I had not considered before. Today, it's some of the less obvious lessons and decisions we want to share with you, so that if you or a friend find yourself in a similar situation, you might be several steps ahead of where I was. So joining me again on the podcast are my good friends Nate Murray and Jamie Autumn Bob, the friends I road-tripped up to Colorado with that fateful weekend, that I camped with, and after the crash that I made the drive back home with. But it is with Nate and Jamie that I also continue to discuss my status after the crash, the options for care, and a whole lot more. So we're going to walk through those days after the crash, the events that led up to my surgery, and where things stand as of today. There's going to be less talk about tomahawking in this episode, but the entire point here is that being safe means paying attention to more than just the obviously exciting stuff. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by Highbrew Coffee. I've been looking forward to telling you about a new product from Highbrew. It's a ready-to-drink cold brew product called Creamy Cappuccino Plus Protein. It has 12 grams of protein and only 10 grams of sugar, so it's perfect for people who are in a hurry who still need to get a good dose of caffeine and nutrients. And I'd like to think that I am actually uniquely qualified to talk about this product because one, to paraphrase the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, I believe that without coffee, life would be a mistake. And two, and this is 100% true, my breakfast for the past 20 years has been a protein shake, and I don't mean some fancy protein shake that uses a bunch of fruit in a blender that you have to spend 10 minutes rinsing out and cleaning, I'm talking about protein powder dumped into water and stirred with a spoon or a knife, 
because that is literally the fastest way to get some nutrition at the start of my day. So now that High Brew has combined both coffee and protein, I personally couldn't be any happier. Furthermore, you want to know what's better than hot coffee in the morning when you wake up and it's already a million degrees outside? A cold serving of cold brew coffee. Finally, let's get very real for a minute and end on kind of a funny but mostly a grisly note. One week ago, I had the delightful experience of undergoing spinal surgery, where I had my throat cut open so a surgeon could go fuse together a couple of my vertebrae. And I can assure you, when you wake up from such an operation, your throat is incredibly sore, and swallowing solid foods is the most painful part of the entire thing. So would you like to guess what is literally the perfect thing in such a situation? An ice-cold can of high-brew creamy cappuccino plus protein. You get nourishment, you get your caffeine fix, and you get it all in a cold, soothing formula. So those first days after the surgery, I was largely subsisting on high-brew's creamy cappuccino plus protein, and I encourage you to try it. It's really good, and I am actually having another one of them right now. So drink creamy cappuccino plus protein. It's great if you're a busy person who needs a quick hit of caffeine and protein, and it's also great if you're a person who just had your throat cut open and can't yet swallow solid foods. Pretty sure we just came up with Highbrew's new marketing slogan for this product. Um, anyway, go to highbrewcoffee.com to learn more about their creamy cappuccino plus protein and use their store locator on the site to see where you can find some to try it out for yourself. And now, let's get to my conversation held last night with Nate Murray and Jamie Autumn Bob. Well, here we are again uh, at this lovely table uh, at my house. Um, here with Nate Murray, uh, who you all remember uh, from our last podcast, and his wife, uh, Jamie Autumn Bob, who you also remember from our last podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, these two were skiing with me um, on Independence Pass and both have played, well, both played an important role that day in, in getting me off the mountain, but um, really, honestly, have gone on to continue to play an important role um, since I got home uh, that night. And we, these poor guys, um, <laughs> have seen sort of too much of me. Um, since then, but but we wanted to. I think that sometimes there there can be a bit of a tendency when there's like, wow, somebody had like this amazing accident, and sort of it's amazing that they're not dead and they're not paralyzed, and and that's kind of titillating. Um, we kind of wanted to try to finish out the story here because um, there is still a whole, there have been a lot of ramifications from that day. And um, we appreciate all the comments that have come in um, from you guys uh, who have listened to this. Um, there have been a lot of good uh, comments and suggestions, and frankly, just a lot of um, words of uh, appreciation and, you know, get well soon. Um, and that that has been great. But Again, the goal here is that some of you guys, maybe this puts on some of the more mundane, but very, very real elements um, that happen around a big, in a big incident like this. Um, so we're going to try to unpack this a little bit more, and because um, we think there actually is real value to other people. If, if frankly, if I personally had heard a story like this it would have prepared me more for what happened that day. I mean, that's the honest truth. So on that note, I mean, and you know, if you haven't listened to the last podcast, then you really probably ought to stop and go do that now. Um, Cause we're gonna pick off, this is kind of part two. Um, and I think where we left off on the last podcast is we had just, um, I had just hiked out of Independence Pass after a fairly gnarly crash. And so we made it to the road and were greeted by an ambulance uh, and two paramedics. <clears throat> and to be honest, at the time, um, one, I was thrilled to not be hiking. I was in quite a bit of pain. 
So I was thrilled to not be hiking and to get out of my damn ski boots um, at that time. Um, but another thing is I think just there's an MO where um, I think like many of you listening to this, um, if you're climbers or skiers or mountain bikers, something gnarly happens, you, you just put on a good face. I mean, that's what you do. Like you suck it up, you make the walk out. And so I think, you know, Nate and Jamie, they're in a good position to verify this. But to be honest, I think I was, I mean, I was cracking jokes um, immediately upon coming up to the, the paramedics. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a, a little bit of like, you know, hey, that was fairly gnarly, but like, we're, we're good. Right. Um, and I know that one of the things I wanted to clarify from the last conversation was, um, because I don't know that I actually articulated this specific point. The biggest thing for me personally was my biggest regret from the day was that I let my guard down, not as I was going back up this boot pack the second time. It was that when I stepped off the boot pack and I was now side hilling in a, in a spot that I had not been before, emphasis, spot I had not been before, I was still sort of attributing this to like, I've already been up this boot pack, I've done it once, the boot pack is in, it's in, it's in better now than it was. And now that I've stepped off, what should have been a signal for me is new, new territory, new situation, you haven't been here, antenna go back up. And so that is the single moment of regret. And frankly, it was a space of about 10 to 15 feet of new territory where the guard was down. And honestly, that is the, the, frankly, I think from a ski pre-accident point of view, I feel like that's the single mistake I made that day. What's interesting is that as Nate and I have had hours and hours of conversation about this since, he has kind of had this take, and I want him to explain this, where he's like, my biggest regret from that day wasn't anything that really happened prior to the crash or on the assessment after the crash or after the walk down, it was once we got to the road and were met by the ambulance and the paramedics. And so Nate, I might just ask you if you can maybe unpack that a bit, um, what, what, you've been, what you were thinking about at the time and what you've been thinking about since then. Yeah, I mean, so I think um, kind of from the moment that you kind of fell and stopped moving, um, it was pretty clear that, you know, and I'm sure Jamie felt this way too, that like at that point we were much less like, it was less about the fact that we were your friends and more about the fact that like we were medical professionals. Like at that point, like I was your paramedic and that's kind of the way I was thinking about it. Um, and so, you know, given that you just had this accident, you know, to use your words about the way you were hiking, I mean, my guard was up. I was extremely concerned and, you know, sort of went through this whole process of assessing you and getting you out of the backcountry. Um, for me, my sort of moment of the guard going down was when we hit the road. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, you know, you, in my mind, in a certain way, like you became the other paramedics patient. Um, <clears throat> and I could kind of uh, offload a little bit of... Um, the stress of the experience and the stress of um, having sort of taken care of you through that. Um, but in retrospect, in a lot of ways, that was a moment where um, it felt to me like the situation had drastically changed. But in a lot of ways, when you look at it objectively, um, things hadn't actually changed at all. Um, you know, I have the same level of training as these paramedics and, um, who, who were wonderful, um, yeah. and talented, but, um, in a certain way, I felt like after they had assessed you, I felt this sort of relief of like, okay, this is fine. When in reality, um, you know, we hadn't sort of taken you to a higher level of care. We hadn't, you know, gotten some sort of x-ray or imaging that would have changed what we actually knew about your condition. Yeah. Um, 
so for me, that was this kind of experience of uh, feeling my guard go down. But then in retrospect, realizing that might not have been the appropriate moment to let my guard down. Jamie, you have a quizzical look on your face. Well, it's difficult to track it back to a particular moment, perhaps. Um, difficult to say. I mean, there are so many different moments in this entire scenario, the way it's unraveled um, throughout the following week after the accident. And it's just so difficult to say. I think that's kind of what we're here to talk about is yeah. at what point, you know, I guess we're just, you know, debriefing and discussing the decision-making process. And for you, Jonathan, where you felt like, you know, perhaps, yeah, it's time to go in and get some imaging and x-rays and, you know, what changed, what perhaps led you to, you know, deciding that, you know, maybe that was a good idea and why you didn't think that at the time after the accident. And I mean, truth be told, you know, you probably still weren't thinking completely coherently, but you acted like you were, but yeah. that was the thing at the time, um, you know, where Nate and I had to decide, because we had a talk there at the parking lot after you were assessed by the paramedics. Um, you know, and I remember telling the paramedics that I promised them that I would take you in for imaging because they, yeah, as wonderful as they were and as wonderful as their assessment can be and any of our assessments can be, there's, there are still certain things that I feared could potentially be going on, such as, you know, brain bleeding or, or a neck injury like you had that are just completely undetectable sometimes upon physical assessment. And I just felt like I would feel better and more comfortable and more confident that we could at least rule those things out. Yeah. Uh, and I think because you were doing so well and we, you know, if you were just a patient that I hadn't known, I probably would have said, I don't care how you feel, you're yep. going in yep. because that's just, you know, the mechanism of your injury and the nature of the situation you're going in. But because you were doing so well and you felt exactly like yourself and we're talking like yourself, and I think that's where we both put our guard down and we thought, and the whole thing is about decision making, right? And like kind of putting your guard down is equal to, I don't know, I guess, um, going against your better judgment. And hmm. I think I, you know, we both kind of thought he should go in, but we'll, you know, see how he does because we're his friends and we think he is doing great and he's he's talking like himself and he feels like himself and you know maybe he is okay and let's just kind of see how this goes yeah and I think we both that was the moment where we thought yeah we're maybe we went against our better judgment well and I think one of the last things I said to you Jonathan before we made it to the road and like made it to the other um, folks um, was that there was basically no way in which you weren't going to go to the hospital. We could yeah. take you or you could go in the ambulance. Um, and then for me, I guess in that moment, w w our relationship was extremely clear. It was a patient and a provider. And then once we got to the road, there was a mixing of, you know, I s still felt in a certain way medically responsible for you, but I also felt like um, we were now interacting kind of the way we do the rest of the time that we're in the front country that we're just, you know, we're friends. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I guess it was less about, you know, using our better judgment and more about deciding sort of which, which judgment to use because I'm experiencing our relationship in these two ways, yeah. each of which had a different set of judgments and a different set of values. Yeah. And Nate, yeah. Nate, like you just said, I think like in a way you had transferred the baton, right? Like you had, you did your job like you got you know you made sure that i didn't fall you know coming off the mountain and in a way it was like wow i just got this dude out of here safely here's the ambulance here's the people on duty you know and you had said actually before we started recording you know you you kind of roll like people have free choice and these are adults here and i was making decisions with the paramedics at the time 
And, you know, this is a crucial part of this. And again, because I think this is going to resonate with a whole bunch of skiers and climbers and mountain bikers. Like, frankly, those of us who do spend so much time outside and in mountains or kayaking or whatever, stuff happens and you get up and you kind of say, I'm fine and you keep going. And you know, not, not too many blister readers maybe know, but like I was a personal trainer before I started blister. I did a ton of rehab work. Um, I was wagering on my own ability to assess the situation, my situation. And, and that was a lot of how I was talking. Like, look, I just hiked off this mountain. I was, I was in a lot of pain, but that's cause I had just tomahawked down like straight rock. And I wanted to see, like, I didn't think any bones were broken. There was a lot of swelling and a lot of pain, but it's like, well, of course there is. But if I just got super lucky, then I don't want to go run a battery of unnecessary tests, um, you know, to show that, like, I'm okay. Like, my entire life, I, I have been the person that doesn't go to the doctor. If I, if I tear a meniscus, I rehab that back. Right. And so I think I'm, I say this because I imagine there are a lot of people in my situation where, you know, you get in a, a pretty bad mountain biking accident, like you assess that you have friends maybe who are in the medical community, you work this out and you figure it out, but you don't run to the damn hospital. Right. And so I think, and I was being pretty adamant about this position, right? I was the one who legally had the right when the paramedic, paramedics asked, do you want this ambulance ride? I said, no. You know, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, no. You know, um, th I wasn't unclear. I wasn't on the fence about that, right? That the, 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 the way to proceed for us was I was going to assess this. And if and when I felt like it was time to go get, you know, to get further consultation or get tests done, then, then we would do that. So I definitely think that was a factor in all of this too, a big one. And, you know, punchline is I think going forward, um, and again, for those of you in the medical community, you can sit here saying, of course, this is obvious. Um, but I just tried to explain why this was a bit less obvious for me. Um, but I do think, yeah, it is fairly safe to say when there is a serious mechanism of mechanism of injury like this a lot of blunt force trauma um the smart thing to do is to just go like start start getting the x-rays start getting assessed further um and i think i will like no question next time if, if something like this were to happen again um i would be less inclined to be like i've got this for now I mean, by the way, I was the guy that just hiked off the fucking mountain. Like, I thought, I thought I was kind of on top of this. I was feeling clearer in my head as we got to the road, you know? So I, there was some evidence here that like, wow, maybe we dodged all the bullets, you know? And um, <clears throat> we left this in a position where it was like, I just wanted to get home, you know? So we'll, we'll move quickly over this next part, but it's, it, I think over time, this is going to increasingly feel like the funniest, most sort of David Lynchian uh, <laughs> part of this entire experience. But, um, it didn't feel like that to us. <laughs> after, after I, you know, uh, sort of, uh, avidly swore off the ambulance, um, we were all hungry. I was starving. And so we were like, let's go get a bite to eat. Well, we somehow ended up, and again, this was my birthday. Um, we somehow ended up, what was the name of the restaurant in Buena Vista? Eddie Line. Eddie Line, Eddie Line Brewery. <laughs> Which is like, you kind must of, go there if you go to BV. It's like a thing. You have like to. Like a Eddie Line Brewery. <laughs> um, which was like, frankly, kind of a nice place, like given that, like I literally rolled in there wearing a tank top and shorts and was just basically bleeding over, like just cut up and bleeding. 
and we kind of proceeded to have a birthday dinner, which, and, and like the waitress and the poor people rolling in there were basically just like looking at me, kind of like going like wide eyed and like whispering to their friends, like look at the train wreck, like over at that table. The, the waitress actually brought like medical supplies for me to try to bandage myself up with. Nate has a great explanation for why we did this. I, I like your explanation on this. So you want to go with this one? I mean, I think the core the core reason why we went is none of us had eaten anything all day. <laughs> um, and just to be clear, we had definitely stopped your bleeding by that point. Okay. Um, but um, no, I mean, I think I think in my mind, um, it was a bit of a litmus test. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to. In a way, I wanted you to prove to me that we didn't need to take you to the ER. Yeah. You know, and if you're going to, like, sit around and have a dinner and hang out with friends and you can eat and, you know. To me, again, it, it was another sort of part of sort of moving um, my level of concern for your situation from sort of a medical viewpoint and more to a friend viewpoint. Yeah. I felt like if you're capable of doing that... Um, that I'm not concerned about, you know, further injuries, you know, at that point, you know, you're a big kid, you get yeah. to make your own calls, you yeah. know, if you want me to take you to the ER, you can tell me and I'm happy to do that, but it's not my job to sort of make that decision for you. Yeah. Um, so that was a little, it was, it was a bit of a sort of, let's see how he does with being fine. Yeah. Right. Cause at that point you're kind of like, well, I'm basically fine. Yeah. My other favorite part of that was at this, at this point at this dinner, I had, you know, it was, it was pretty clear. Like I, I was, well, fortunate to be alive, fortunate to be walking and talking. And so I remember the waitress asked if I, (laughs) if I wanted a beer. So of course I looked at Nate and was like, can I have a beer? And he's (laughs) like, yep, you can have a beer. So then I promptly ordered bourbon <laughs> which he Happy he wasn't birthday. he wasn't that psyched on me for that that call but i figured you know we survived a big incident and uh the the moment the moment called for bourbon uh and it was it was delicious it's a proper analgesic see pain, yeah pain relief <clears throat> pain relief um i did only have one um and then um basically we yeah we we made it through the dinner um and we then drove back uh, to New Mexico. And I remember actually being really proud of myself because Nate and I had a big conversation. Um, as Nate is sitting here about to, you know, he like crushed his boards. So he's, he's gonna get to kind of just, you know, pick whatever area of medicine he wants to kind of waltz into. So we were going over like the various uh, possible tracks and I was asking him to kind of explain, you know, why this area and not that area. And I remember actually being like, man, like this is a fairly high level conversation. And I felt like I was, you know, just again, sort of self-assessing. And I felt like I, you know, one, I was learning a lot. And two, I was like, man, I'm doing like, I'm feeling pretty good, like pretty sharp. And that, you know, continued to feel like a good indicator and a good sign. Um, so I think we finally got back home. It was, was it around 11 o'clock at night? 11 o'clock that night. And what, what was the car ride? The drive back was four and a half hours. Probably four, four. Um, you know, so that night again, it was Nate and Jamie were kind of like, you sure you don't want to go to the ER? Like, how are you doing? And honestly, I kind of felt like, again, we'd, it, it'd been a big event, but like, now I, I kind of think I'm good. I mean, beat the hell up, but, but good, not, not going the other direction. And, um, so again, I think the, I hope I already answered this, but the question of like, dude, why not just go? And again, I'm just going to come back to the, like, because this has been my MO for my entire adulthood stuff happens, you address it, you rehab it back. Um, frankly going to the er is a waste of it's like now you're just releasing yourself to get a bunch like a run through a battery of tests that you really don't need um and um i think there's going to be a lot more humility going forward about that decision 
And um, yeah. And, and by the way, I think another critical thing to say here is like, yes, I do have health insurance, you know? And like, we know a ton of skiers and bikers and climbers who don't. So this, this was not factoring into my decision. It wasn't like, well, I don't have health insurance. I can't go. It's like, I do. And I think like many of us, like it's a fairly high deductible because it's like, I'm just going for catastrophic, you know? But, um, so yeah, it, it wasn't like, well, I don't have health insurance. So this isn't an option. It really was like, I trust the people I'm around and I'm going to wager on my own ability, ability to self-assess. So, you know, that night, um, I, I, I felt like, frankly, like getting in bed that night was kind of the achievement. Like I, I, I made it back from that day. Um, and, um, yeah, I went to sleep. Um, Nate, what do you got on that? Well, and so I think it's, you know, the things that I've heard you comment on in our conversations, um, since then, especially about the healthcare stuff is, um, a lot of sort of not wanting to sort of relinquish the sort of control. Yeah. Like that feeling of kind of being, on the conveyor belt and sort of yep. swept by the, the medical system. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's going to be important sort of moving forward in the story about, you know, you feel very comfortable with us. Um, but then once you're sort of in that system, it's strangers, yep. you know, it's, it's these people that are well-intentioned, but yeah, new. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's a good opportunity to think about not only sort of healthcare, but, you know, had you sort of, I mean, we're all young, healthy people, but like, had you had, you know, a primary care doctor that you felt comfortable with, you know, as a point of, uh, access and a point of someone that you trust in the medical system, yeah. who knows how that would have felt or how that would have been different. Yeah. 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 And like, this is, I've got asked, I've been asked in the last two weeks, like a thousand times, like who my primary care physician is. And the answer is, I kept telling him Nate Murray, because I was like, I don't have one. I don't go to the doctor. Like I'm a healthy person who's not an idiot. Like I can, I know how to take care of myself. And, you know, so like, I didn't know like this. So anyway, um, but anyway, that was, yeah, that was well said, Nate. And, and yeah, I mean, it is funny. Like as if this happened to any of you guys listening, you know, I kept having to explain what happened. And everyone was like, you were skiing? It's like, yeah, you can still ski. And in like just explaining the same. So this was, in fact, I was not wrong about this. Like this is a bunch of strangers who have no clue the sorts of things that we're out doing all the time. And, um, you know, as like, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my tribe and I'll sort this out with my tribe and, um, and we're not going to waste a bunch of money on stupid tests that aren't necessary for somebody to tell me I'm okay. You know, um, I mean, in case, again, if somebody hasn't listened to the last podcast, like turns out I was very much not okay. Um, and that's why we're still talking about this, but, but that's, that's kind of where we were. Right. So that got us through Sunday night. Monday was, I knew I was going to wake up and be like unfathomably sore and beat up and it was going to feel worse Monday than Sunday. And that's basically how that went down. Um, and so, you know, honestly, like in terms of assessing, like, are your hands tingling? You know, is there sensitivity on the spine? It's like, I was a swollen monster, you know? And it's like, no, those things aren't going to show themselves to be true in a, in a kind of subtle way. Um, I wasn't showing obvious neurological deficiencies. Um, I just was beat to hell. And so Monday, I, to be honest, I, I worked a pretty big day Monday. Um, you know, like I normally did. Um, Tuesday was more telling. Um, because it was Tuesday where a bit of the swelling overall around my hands, around my neck and back had diminished a bit. And it was honestly Tuesday where I was like, I can't obviously say that I am feeling better today, like clearly progressing. And that's when I think, you know, 
Nate and Jamie were already, they probably had already contacted me first, just asking how you doing. Um, there'd been a lot of texting and back and forth, you know, on Monday as well with all the friends. But it was Tuesday where it was like, honestly, I, I can't tell that story where I'm, I'm still making clear progress. And my, my neck, my neck is really hurting. And so I asked Nate and Jamie to come back over that night. Um, they came over that evening. We talked about it again. Um, we did assessment. Nate did assessments again on me. I wasn't showing obvious deficiencies. Um, but we all kind of decided that night, like, and, and this was me too. It wasn't just them insisting that I go. Like I was like, I'm ready to go get these stupid x-rays. And, um, so I did. So Wednesday morning, got these x-rays and, um, Nate, do you want to speak to this? Because this is when you, I, I, I read the x-rays is like, yeah, they didn't really show stuff. They're hinting at possible uh, ligament injuries, but you had the, the stronger reaction to this. Well, I mean, I, I think it gets back to, you know, what I said just a, a moment ago that, you know, part of this process and part of the thing that I think we're going to see is that, um, even though sort of young, healthy people don't have primary care doctors and, you know, don't go to the doctor, there was a way in which this all kind of became this kind of piecemeal together process. Um, you know, so you were getting this x-ray, um, you know, and sort of discussing it with a, you know, qualified physician, but someone that you'd never really met and didn't really have a relationship with. And um, it sounded like you two kind of came to a equivocal place and, um, you know, we weren't sure what any of it really meant. And, you know, when I looked at it, I had a different reaction, but I, you know, not really rightly or wrongly, just a different one. Um, you know, and so I think that's what was interesting to me is just how fragmented the process sort of became about, you know, who was going to really, um, help you with the decision-making and who was going to, um, you know, offer you advice and where we were going to go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I saw your x-ray and was super concerned. Um, but, I mean, in retrospect, there are many people who probably walk around with a similar x-ray. Um, you know, so it was sort of a judgment call. It's hard to say. But I also had the experience of sort of watching your fall and sort of knowing the context, whereas yeah. this doctor probably didn't. Yeah. You know, so it, it, again, like it was just sort of a hard thing to, to walk the line between medical professional and friend. And So I remember, I mean, basically what I remember you telling me, like, I'm more concerned now about your neck having seen this x-ray and the comments from the radiologist. I think the thing that for me was kind of weird about this was the the doctor I saw that day, not the radiologist who read the chart, but the doctor I saw kind of was like, yeah, extra, you know, MRI, probably a good idea. But he was by no means like, dude, you go now. It, it was not this, it, it was pretty mellow and, and kind of more like your call, man. Because I remember like I came back from that and I wasn't, we still talked again because you guys kept telling, you know, how to go, what they say. Nate was weighing in and was showing the most concern about this. And by the way, correctly, but I remember that was all still kind of casual to me. And I, it, which didn't really snap me out of my, like, I'm in a position to assess. So honestly, Nate, like if you hadn't come so strong with the, like, I'm way more concerned now with what I'm seeing and reading. I may not, dude, I remember by the way, cause the next morning that convinced me to go get MRIs. I remember feeling pretty good that morning. I almost, almost turned around. I almost turned around and didn't go get the MRI. Jamie and I had actually been talking about that after the x-ray and Jamie kind of had the same feeling. Like you were pretty clear about how you felt about whether Jonathan needed MRIs. But I think we had this discussion about whether we thought you were actually going to get him or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we should have made a bet. Oh, well, yeah. We might have lost. Um, yeah. Because that was your reaction, too. Yeah, well, I remember I was at work that day, too, and yeah. I had kind of 
spoken to some of my doctor friends about it and you know I'm a cardiac nurse we're in a cardiac specialty hospital it's not necessarily ortho spinal you know specific but you know even they said all of my colleagues said wow that I can't believe that happened you like he didn't go in that same day that's crazy and then I remember you just sent me a text that said something along the lines of I can't move my neck. I'm, I feel like I'm going to set something off. And yeah. that really concerned me because yeah. you're the only one who lives within your own body and knows how it feels. And that was really concerning. And I remember we talked briefly. I was on a break and we talked on the yeah. phone and you kind of mentioned your symptoms to me. And after that, I, I got in the car. Nate and I were driving back to Santa Fe on our way to see you and assess you. And, and I told Nate, he, oh my God, he needs to get an MRI. I yeah. feel like he really needs an MRI. Yeah. yeah it's so. it is probably the telling point in that anecdote though where you we had this conversation and you were both like we don't really believe he's gonna go get it <laughs> um you know but so, so to kind of keep it keep it moving so fast forward we're now on thursday and and again it, I, if, if this feels like this is droning on good that's kind of the point is like Again, I think that we're used to listening to these sexy tales that are exciting and then he tomahawked down the mountain and oh crazy, he lived and then he like walked out. It's like stuff gets a lot more mundane and the decisions become fairly nuanced. And if you're dealing with someone who's maybe kind of stubborn and kind of has their reasons for not being quick to run, themse run themselves into a hospital, the point is like, there are risks that are still real. And I guess that's what we're trying to make clear here. Um, so anyway, I do go finally get this MRI. And um, I mean, that's when things got pretty real um, for me um, because literally before they had kind of had me back out of the tube that you're in for an MRI, the I was surrounded by nurses uh, and medical folks who basically just said, you're going straight to the ER room. And, and they pretty much didn't tell me anything else, but they were freaked the hell out. <clears throat> and, um, and that's what happened. Um, I was taken immediately uh, to ER uh, for a kind of emergency CAT scan and now all of a sudden they are i'm in a cervical collar and nobody's letting me move at all and four people are assisting me up and down after i just drove myself you know i i haven't had a, a, a c collar on or a neck brace on for five days since the accident and suddenly shit is kind of hitting the fan um and I don't remember even when I finally learned what they had seen, if that was before I was before I got the CAT scan or if this was some period after they'd done both the MRI and CAT scan, but this is where they, they finally told me that I had sprained or torn three of the four ligaments at C6. And yes, this had been sort of mentioned as a possibility on the x-ray that we got on Wednesday, but this was not confirmed and it was by no means on the x-ray was the, the recommendation by the doctor or the radiologist like, go now, this is critical. It was still kind of like, dude, your call. Um, so interesting, right? Um, but yeah, once, once they had established this on the MRI and once I now have what they would call an unstable, unstable cervical spine. Um, shit is real. And Nate, do you want to talk about? I mean, like, just what a what a normal what you're at risk. What's at risk of happening if you've if you've strained or torn three or four ligaments at C six? Well, and you'd also fractured C six. Oh yeah, twice in two places. And C seven, right? The, both vertebral bodies. And, and everybody keeps on asking us how you're doing. And you made a great analogy last night with someone about a popsicle stick or like a popsicle hanging out without a stick or something. Yeah. Huh. I mean, if you, yeah. if you think about the spine in a certain way, like as a, you know, what holds a popsicle together is the stick in the middle. 
Um, you know, and if you uh, break your neck in the way that you did, you can imagine sort of a popsicle that doesn't have a stick. And so the slightest sort of movement and some part, you know, the top part falls right off the bottom part. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty elegant. That makes That's a lot of sense. just as bad for popsicles as it is for people. So, I mean, basically, when we, we go back then to put that hike down off the mountain, um, any slip, any fall there, and um, things could have gone real, real bad. And then, by the way, any slip, any fall, any turn of my neck, Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, you know, I was sleeping in my own bed um, without a sea collar. There were times when I was trying to check my own range of motion. You know, stuff that now, as I'm sitting here in a cervical collar, where they're like, dude, you're not allowed to move anything whatsoever. Um, this is where, again, this is very real shit. That, um, again, you know, my decision to wave off uh, immediate further testing, like I was playing a pretty dangerous game there. Um, you know, um, and all I can say is like, I'm extremely fortunate uh, that I didn't slip on the way down the mountain, that I didn't paralyze myself, uh, you know, with a quick head movement um, or something like that. I mean, so... Yeah, essentially any shift in those bones could have potentially severed your spinal cord yeah. and rendered you completely paralyzed. Yeah. It's pretty scary to yeah. think about that. So this is that's probably the big kicker of this podcast is the whole, you know, don't really care how smart you are, don't really care about your rehab background, your own ability to assess this stuff. Um there are certain moments where uh, being too proud to go get further testing can leave you at risk for some awfully, awfully serious stuff. Um, so again, um, I, I count myself fortunate, but, um, and then basically from there, you know, uh, Nate and Jamie uh, once again came and met me at, at in the emergency room and they were hanging out with me as Doctors were trying to read CTs and MRIs and they were debating uh, whether to put me into emergency um, surgery right then. Um, and they basically was a conversation we ended up having. Um, the question was, do I, do I stay in the hospital? Do I stay, you know, do I stay at the hospital or do I go home that night? Um, we made the decision, like they slapped a, a cervical collar on me and I did go home that night um, because we, were, we found out that we were able to get, I was able to get a consultation the next morning, which is now Friday, I'm, I'm losing track. That was Friday the 14th. Um, so again, the accident happened Sunday, the Jan July 9. We're now up to Thursday evening, Thursday the 13th. Um, and I found out that I was going to be able to see who a, a surgeon, a neurosurgeon that Jamie had immediately when they, they talked, they named a couple names and one of the names they came out with was Dr. Smucker. And I remember Jamie pretty immediately was like, oh man, like I would trust Dr. Smucker with my life. Oh, I was so relieved. Um, and so at that point I was like, look, I don't want to see one of your other neurosurgeons who Jamie didn't just say I would trust my well, life with this guy? To be fair, I mean, I had worked with Dr. Smucker before and several friends of mine have had surgeries yep. and procedures with him. So I knew, I, I don't really know the other surgeons or their work to be fair, yep. you know, to them. I just, I knew that I, I had worked with Dr. Yep. Smucker and he had a great reputation and yeah. I felt comfortable in, with that. <laughs> so I was relieved. So we had another call to make that night and the call was, let's go home and let's meet with Dr. Smucker um, Friday the 14th that morning. And, um, and Nicole and Jamie and Nate all trotted back out with me to that consultation. And I mean, 
This is, by the way, like another crazy situation you will find yourself in if you're ever unfortunate enough to be in a similar situation. Um, who your surgeon is, who your neurosurgeon is for a spinal surgery is going to become a major um, question among any of the people who, uh, who love you, <laughs> basically. And I remember, I mean, we had a, we had a phenomenal meeting Friday morning with Dr. Smucker. Um, this neurosurgeon gave us over 90 minutes, um, with us and it was great. And, and we all felt quite confident and, you know, I'm not going to lie. I had some of my best friends in Boston and back in Chicago, you know, were calling me, yelling at me, um, dude, what are you doing? Like, you could like this procedure could leave you paralyzed you're gonna seriously have this operation done by some dude you've never heard of you know the day before and they were like you have to go to colorado or you have to go to this place or this other place and um you know in a way they're not wrong and it's like by the way i'm the guys like i'm gonna be the most affected of anyone if this thing goes south but this was yet another level of um, complexity, which is like, dude, I'm not trying to be flippant with this, but you're going to find yourself in a situation of like significant trust. And we were fortunate that we ended up feeling, um, all very good about, um, Dr. Smucker's, the outcomes he's had with this procedure. Um, and, and another very real thing was like, my neck is kind of a time bomb at this point. Um, and like the idea that we were going to go drive to uh, Colorado and be on the road for five hours, that was going to pose its own risks. And we didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, let's sit here and like uh, vet surgeons for the next 30 days. Like this needed to get done. And um, so we made that call. And but I, I can tell you, it is not the most comfortable call to make. And especially when, you know, people who care about you are raising reasonable uh, questions about why on earth wouldn't you go get this done at the most prestigious, most reputable place on earth. Um, so, you know, just another call and um, one that we ended up feeling good about, but but it was another level of like, my God, you know, it's like choose your own adventure, a whole lot of steps uh, in this process. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else from that consultation I should point out? Yeah. Well, I think you kind of emphasized that because, yeah, it needed to be emphasized that the surgery was necessary and certainly posed yeah. less risk than you walking around with a ticking time bomb in yeah. your neck. So, yeah, I guess that's the only other thing is I remember when we were in the ER room Thursday night, when the ER doc first came in and he was just like, you are having neck surgery. And I remember I sank, I sank when he said that because I have held this position where it's like, two things you don't ever get back surgery and neck surgery like you find other solutions always um, before you start letting people come in and cut on you and um we very quickly um it was just very quickly understood and established like this isn't there is no option b you know um and um so there we were um headed to surgery so we thankfully um, had a, a neurosurgeon we felt all very comfortable with. Um, that consultation was on Friday the 14th and the, the soonest we could get that surgery was on the 20th. And so now it's, I kind of, at that point, once we knew that we were headed to surgery, we felt good about the surgeon. I wish we could have gotten the surgery done like right then. And um, it left us with kind of six days to, I mean, basically I kind of felt like I was on house arrest and it was like, try not to blow your head up in the next six days. Um, you know, um, because we still were dealing with this very unstable cervical spine. Um, so 
that that was a bit of a touchy thing for the next six days and um but made it through that made it to the surgery um two things one thing i want to talk about because this was one of the shittiest experiences of this entire process and you guys need to know about this and this needs to change in this country super weird thing but something you maybe wouldn't have thought about the billing on this stuff so those of you in hospital billing you need to change your ways or rot in hell that's basically where i've come out on this but a day before the surgery i received a phone call from hospital billing who wanted to just go over what benefits i had what i was going to be responsible and obviously we're talking about some extremely expensive stuff at this point and so billing called to inform me that i was going to be responsible for my deductible which we all knew and then 50 percent of costs above my deductible and that that was alarming it also was untrue turns out so those of you listening to this one get yourself on health insurance at least catastrophic second thing find out what exactly your deductible is and go get very clear on what you are liable for um, when it comes to your health insurance benefits because I had this was one of the most shocking and alarming conversations I'd had when I was being told that I was going to be covered for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more than I thought I was on the hook for and I it sent me scrambling for about an hour to to find out uh, that they were actually incorrect the other insane thing is um, when I actually had to sign in for my surgery we went through this again literally minutes before I had my throat slit open by a surgeon I was again told by somebody that I was going to be on the hook for not only my deductible but for any expense 50% of the expenses above my deductible and I just want to let you know as someone who's like I really hope I don't like wake up paralyzed from this surgery or die um, this is not what you want to be thinking about and it it struck me as one of the sickest cruelest jokes uh, that you could play on a person in this situation so um, go make sure now when you are healthy that you are clear on what you are covered for and what you are not um, because when you have a broken neck and are going into surgery I assure you this is not when you're gonna to want to think of these things um, so anyway, that rant is over. So we have this, we have this spinal surgery Friday morning, um, and I do wake up, and uh, I'm basically told by Doctor Smucker, sort of no big deal, Smucker, um, that everything went basically perfectly, and that was a huge relief and I had kind of been basically thinking like I just needed this neurosurgeon to do his job and I would handle the rehab um, what's been very interesting and not wrong I think is that Dr. Smucker has very much been like I know I'm gonna do my job I hope this stupid patient doesn't screw up all my work in rehab and uh, I very much appreciate that about uh, about my my neurosurgeon um, he has a ton of confidence uh, in in the work he was doing and and uh, he got me he did his job and um, I feel very good about my ability to uh, take it kind of from here um, and since that day I mean it's they do I mean they they cut the front of my throat open they went in and installed some hardware um, uh, hardware and plates um, in the I think the front and back of this of the uh, C6 C7 and um, you know I spent one night in the hospital everybody said you look great and they had me out Friday morning um, I went on a nice hike I've been on walks I was on walks Saturday went on a beautiful hike Sunday um, and right now I mean I'm trying to be good about limiting activities and basically just uh, keeping it at 
keeping it at walks right now. But I'm, I'm very happy to report that I think pretty quickly I'm going to sort of start feeling better than maybe I sort of, what, what does one say? Like, it's going to start feeling like I could ramp up activity levels faster than um, my neurosurgeon would want me to. Um, and that's fine. I'm not planning on being stupid about that, but I think that's going to be a very interesting element to, for us to watch going forward. Um, so I don't know, consultation on Monday, and then there will be uh, obviously a bunch of repeat visits after that and x-rays after that, and we'll see how things are going. But I think that kind of brings us up, um, brings us up to the present. Anything else, Jamie or Nate, you guys want to add in on that? Um, you know, I, th I think the more I sort of think about this entire experience, you know, whether your sport is skiing or mountain biking or, um, you know, we all instinctively think about, you know, the line we're about to ski and think about how we're going to do it and what could go wrong. I think we all are, most of us, you know, think about the safety things when we're in the backcountry, sort of what we're going to do. Uh, if something were to go wrong, how we're going to be safe. I think personally, you know, I had thought previously about sort of what I would do if a friend got really hurt in the backcountry. Um, you know, but this brought up for me that those kind of thought processes need to extend even beyond the backcountry. Um, you know, I, we sort of, the week after you got hurt, we were in an uncharted territory. I hadn't really ever thought about like what I would do if, you know, a friend got really hurt, but then like wanted to talk about medical stuff the next week, Yeah, you know? And so kind of like what you alluded to with, you know, thinking about your health insurance or thinking about how that would work. Um, it was a learning experience for me to sort of, um, extend my thinking about the sports that we enjoy, um, to even situations like this. Um, yeah. And I think it would sort of, it would benefit um, your readers and your listeners um, to think about things um, in this realm, just the way we think about the sports that we love. Yeah. Yeah. And to really continue to think about constantly being aware and present, just, you know, in everything that you do and... Because a lot of this for me was, you know, we never intended, of course, for any of this to happen, but we never expected any of it to happen. And yeah. you just, you just never know. You never, never know. And just to think about constantly being aware is, was key for me and changes things for me. And also as a follow-up to the first podcast on this, um, Jonathan did do kind of a sort of a dance party after his surgery. <laughs> Yeah. Not really. I mean, he just kind of moved his arms around a little <laughs> bit in his movement that he likes to do at dance parties. But there was that. So. We did have a dance party in the in the hospital room post surgery. Very, so he felt great. Felt great. Um, yeah, and I I think um, and again, you know, so grateful to my to my friends. Um, you guys have all been great, and um, you know. I've received 10,000 texts, uh, you know, if you need anything and, um, I'm still super grateful for all you guys have done. And, and I mean, if, if you couldn't tell Nate and Jamie literally were involved literally every single day, um, after we got back from this thing on Sunday night and, um, you know, you guys have been great and, and, um, I'm grateful for that. But I think, if, if this podcast got boring, and I think it I probably did for some people, but again, I, I guess to draw it back is one of the things that our group, when we debriefed again around my hospital bed the, the day of the surgery, we were talking again about how going forward, we are just going to communicate more. That was one of the big takeaways that there were all of these tiny little things that is like, yeah, I did notice this, I could have said something, I kind of didn't. And I think what I want, maybe want to try to drive home from this is that is something that our crew is absolutely going to step up. All of these mundane little like, yeah, I probably don't need to let somebody know that like the footing is a little, you know, strange here or, you know, 
Pat and Kristen talked about, there was one, I don't remember what it was, but there was a detail that stood out for them that they could have like, uh, you know, communicated down. Oh, I think it was Kristen saying like she was about to drop. Like she could have said that to me, just, hey, you know, we're about to head down, like, you know, dumb stuff. But it's like the two seconds it would take you to say the dumb stuff would have spared you listeners the last two podcasts, right? And I wouldn't have just had spinal surgery and I wouldn't be in this cervical spine, this cervical collar for the next number of who knows how many weeks. Like, I hope that is the thing that really is driven home. All the little, yeah, I probably don't need to say that or do that. It only takes a moment of the guard being down or a slip up and you are into boring podcast territory where the stakes are very grave. Um, so if nothing else, um, I hope that's a guide. I mean, I really hope that's a guide for people going out. I mean, I think your, your accident is the perfect analogy for all the things that we've been talking about. You know, like you didn't get hurt doing the exciting stuff skiing nope. down. You nope. got hurt on the mundane, boring boot pack. Yep. And we talked, we just had a podcast last week that was exciting and it was the sexy stuff about how we got you out and yep. all that stuff. But you have to get the boring stuff right too. Yeah. And that's what we learned this last week was that your experience could have been just as bad from the boring things that happened the week after than, you know, from the exciting stuff that happened during the accident. Um, you know, and so again, the way we think about our safety, our health is you not only have to do the things that allow you to do the fun stuff, but you have to get the boring stuff right too. Incredibly well said. Thank you both for everything. And, um, let's have another drink. Cheers. We'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) That's it for this edition of the blister podcast. Thanks to Nate and Jamie for the conversation and for all of your help these past couple of weeks. And to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. Till next time, check out what we're up to at blisterreview.com. Please leave us some feedback on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher if you are enjoying these podcasts. And yes, for those of you who have been asking and asking, you can now find the Blister Podcast on Stitcher. Till then, uh, we will talk to you next week, and please take good care of yourselves.